Let's turn in our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. I don't know if anybody's getting tired of turning to Hebrews every week, it seems like. But we're getting pretty close to the end of it. And then we'll be moving on to another uh, part of the Bible. But uh, today, uh, we're going to be talking about the need for a holy life. You hear people uh, speak all the time, it's not about your works and this, that, and the other uh, when it comes to salvation, and that is true, but after salvation, after the wonderful salvation, we are instructed to live a godly life, to live a sanctified life, to live a holy life. And last week we were talking about, in uh, verse uh, 11 of chapter 12, it says, Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. So God chastens His children. We were talking about that. And any good parent will chasten or discipline, punish their child. And some children require much more punishment and discipline than others. And you can't be fair about it. We always want to be fair. Well, the world's not fair. And if you, if you discipline all your children the same way, so you have multiple kids, and you discipline the one child that really doesn't do much to get in trouble, and you want to try to match it up with the child who needs more, you're doing a big disservice to the child that needs more discipline. And we need to understand that. Now, there's, now there's a lot of people, and I mentioned this last week, there's a lot of people who uh, they'll want to turn you into the authorities if you say you spank your child. Well, the Bible mentions multiple times in Proverbs about using the rod, using the rod on a child to keep them in the right way. And God, He chastens us in some very painful ways. Like I said last week, if you are getting away with sin... If you're getting away with it, you might not be a child of God. Because if you are a true child of God and you start dabbling in things you shouldn't be, then He is going to take notice and He will chasten you. He'll do it. And if He does, be very thankful that He's done that to you. It might be painful. Now, and we need, to, we need to understand as parents that we've got to be careful not to wait until we're angry to discipline. You should discipline with a smile on your face. The reason that most people are against uh, physical chastisement is because they wait until they're really angry before they do it, and then it does become wrong. Never wait. We need to be quick to discipline and guide in the proper ways. 
All right. 12. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. That's the importance of discipline and being chastened of the Lord, and this is what it would do to you, just like in a natural way, uh, parents bringing up children, that is the purpose of it. it you can do it wrong and, and cause harm. But if you do it out of the right attitude and, and because you really love your child like God loves us, He's doing it to keep us on the straight path. He wants us to be healed of things that would cause us to live an unholy life. Because if we live an unholy life, our witness is ruined for the very people that we're supposed to be witnessing to. And it could even be your very own family. You know, we're, none of us are perfect. Uh, most of us have brought children into the world, we've raised them up, and even in what you would look at as a perfect family, you, you, don't, you don't have 100% success most of the time. Now, we do have uh, some examples of, you know, within this church, uh, where we have some... Uh, you know, people that have multiple kids, and it seems like all of them are living for God. Then you may have another that most are. Uh, then you might have some that none of them are. And you really feel bad, and you wonder, what did I do wrong? Maybe we, you did do something wrong. Maybe I did something wrong in my own family. But we can't let that discourage us, because you can, you can look at an totally dysfunctional family that have multiple kids and most of them will go down the wrong road but then there'll be the one that doesn't that that uh, perseveres that comes out of that terrible situation and they're just a good godly example but they had nothing in their childhood that would lead them that way that you can see but it's way better to have a good godly family that takes their kids to church and teaches them the things of God and you should have mostly good out of that, and you might still have one who totally rebels. And you can't hardly explain it. Don't understand why. Well, here in just a minute, we'll be talking about one of those families that are in the Bible. Verse 14. Now, this can be a little bit troubling. This could uh, maybe be one of your least favorite verses. It's hard to... Uh, it's hard. I've I, I went to different people who maybe do uh, comments on the Bible, and they have they struggle with verse fourteen. It says, "Follow peace with all men, and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord." So, is that saying that if you don't live a holy life, you will never go to heaven? That's what it seems to say. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Fifteen, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. 
defiled. So that could be, um, there's always people gossiping about other people. And if you are a Christian person and you talk about other people a lot, you're actually defiling yourself. And you're, you're uh, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. So uh, many examples of things we do as just being human beings, it's very difficult. We get wrapped up in things of this world. You know how many people are concerned about whether Taylor Swift's going to make it to the Super Bowl or not. And you have football guys that are, oh yeah, football, you know, why, don't, don't let her in this. We don't even want to talk about her. And the same guys that are fussing about the Swifties spend hundreds of dollars on a jersey of their favorite player that do, they, they're idolizing Guys who run around on a football field. They're no better off than the Swifties. We're living in a world that idolizes so many things. It's pitiful. And those things take all of our attention, and we forget about the important things, the things of God. 16. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears." Esau is an example of a person who lived for the world. He did not look to spiritual things whatsoever. He did not see anything that uh, he thought was worth it other than the things that satisfied his flesh here on this earth, that benefited him. I wrote down Esau. He lived so Utterly for this world, he forgot that there is a world to come. Do you have a sense of the spiritual and the eternal? Ask yourself that. Do I have a sense of the spiritual and the eternal? Also wrote down, the way you live your life speak so loudly that people can't hear what you have to say. The way you live your life speaks so loudly that people can't hear what you have to say. Now, in, uh, you don't have to turn to Malachi. I've already got it marked, so I can get there pretty quick. But Mal listen to what Malachi says in chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, it says, The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi, the, the, that prophet Malachi, it's the last uh, uh, book in the Old Testament, the last prophet. He, it says, I have loved you, saith the Lord, yet ye say, wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother? 
saith the Lord, yet I loved Jacob, and I hated Esau, and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. Dragons of the wilderness. What is, what is that? What is that a type and picture of, that dragon? So God loved Jacob, or Israel, was his name was changed to Israel, and he hated Esau. That's some strong words. Now, if you will turn with me to Genesis chapter 25. Let's talk about this family. This family of these twin boys, Jacob and Esau. Since Hebrews has brought it up, and we see where Esau was called profane. Now that word profane that's in our Bibles, that is, it, it would be to walk out of the temple. It would be like we are living an unholy life and we're defiled where the Holy Spirit would not want to dwell in us and would leave this, we're supposed to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. But can the Holy Spirit live in a profane or a defiled sanctuary, a defiled temple? Are we defiled? We need the importance of the need to live this holy life is talked about through our Bibles, and we are instructed to do so. So how do we do it? We need to move on from salvation and then live a holy life. In uh, Genesis 25, everybody should be there by now, starting with verse 19. Now, before this, it's talking about Ishmael, Abraham and, and Ishmael and Ishmael's sons, and how long Ishmael lived. And then it gets to 19, and it says, And these are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. I, uh, Abraham begat Isaac. And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Padam Aram, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. Sound familiar? Barren. She was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. So, this is prayer. Uh, Isaac prayed for Rebekah, and she conceived. Okay, 22. And the children struggled together within her, and she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. Now, this is what the Lord said to her after she prayed. She's wondering, she's noticing that something crazy is going on inside of her womb. And she's uh, asking the Lord about it. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb. Well, no wonder. There's two nations. It's not just two kids. There's two nations in there. And they're fighting over each They're fighting. Yeah, I guess that would be something else if two nations were inside of you. And the two and and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels, and the one people shall be stronger than the other people. Listen to this, and the elder shall serve the younger. Now, over in Hebrews, it said that Esau sold his birthright. Was it his to sell? Here it says the elder 
shall serve the younger. Before they ever came out of the womb, God had already told the mother that the elder shall serve the younger. So it looks like the younger is the one that has the actual birthright. But Esau, he came out first. Let's keep reading. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red, all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob, and Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them. So he was 60 by now. He got married at 40, and then she was barren. So all these years, they finally, after uh, 19 years, they prayed. 19 years and three months, they prayed. She conceived, and now he's 60, and they have these twins. And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man, dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he was a man of God. He walked in the ways of the Lord. Right? I mean, think about Isaac. Isaac's the one who who humbly and who obediently went up with his father on Mount Moriah to be a type and picture of Christ. But now, look at what it says. It says, And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison. What? He did eat of his venison. But Rebekah loved Jacob. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, Venison is awesome, right? It's good. I mean, you know, you kill a nice young deer, you you get the back strap, and you cut it in like quarter-inch thick pieces, and you put it down in an egg wash, and then throw it over in some seasoned flour and, and, and have some uh, avocado oil getting hot over here, and you fry it up. Oh, man, it is good. It is good. All right, where was, what were we doing? Oh, yeah, we're reading about Esau. Well, let's get back to this. It is good, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. But remind me, get some out of the freezer when we get home. Venison. But Rebekah loved Jacob, and Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. So when you see the Edomites, now, now there, uh, there's a King Herod that's going to come around later on that's from... Esau. He's a descendant of Esau. 31, And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die, and what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day, and he sware unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and a pottage of lentils. So basically, a bowl of beans. And he, he, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus, thus, by doing what he did right here, 
Thus Esau despised his birthright. He actually came into the world just a few minutes before Jacob. So therefore, on a human level, he had the right for that uh, double portion of the property. He actually had the right to grow up and to be the person who would lead his family in um, the priestly things. So he would be in charge of devotions and things like that, making sure the people knew the Word of God that was in his family. But the biggest part, to be in the very line that led to Christ, our Savior. Those things, he didn't see them at all. He didn't care about them at all. And he was so about living for the flesh that he, he gave up all of that for one meal. For one meal. I marked a place in this John Phillips book talking about, uh, I think some of y'all might have this, uh, people of the Old Testament, the, he did one, this is John Phillips, uh, people of the Old Testament, volume one, two, and three, I got all of them, right? I got them all. People of the New Testament, I got them all. My wife's like, yeah, he sure does. He's got them all. All the, all the John Phillips commentaries. All right, he says, all right, all right listen, Esau, think about he was born into a family where he should have understood all these things. So I'm going to read a, a paragraph here of what John Philip said about it. Esau was born into a home where he had every possible spiritual advantage. He is set up in Scripture as a warning to all who are born into a Christian home who have parents who love the Lord, but themselves remain nonetheless impervious to the gospel. They too are profane. It would be better to go into a lost eternity from a completely pagan home to be able to say to God, I never knew you wrote a book. I never knew you had a son. I never heard of the place called Calvary. Then to go into eternity from a home where these things were, were, caught, were taught, where John 3.16 was the first text memorized, where, where Jesus loves me was the first song ever learned, Jesus himself said it would be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for Capernaum where many of his mighty works were done, and where he made his home for the years of his Galilean ministry. Jesus said that. It'd be better for Sodom and Gomorrah than the, than the people who lived right there under his ministry that saw everything they needed to see and still rejected him. So Esau sold out for a bowl of beans. He sold out for a bowl of beans. Here's another uh, paragraph of John Phillips. All the, he's listening to people who sold out in the Bible. He said, Jacob's sons sold, uh, sold Joseph for 20 pieces of silver. Balaam sold out for a purse of Moabite gold. And Achan, if you, if you listen to Wednesday night, we've been talking about that lately, and Achan 
for 200 pieces of silver, a wedge of gold, and a Babylonian coat. Saul sold out for a herd of Amalekite cattle. Solomon sold out for wine, women, and song. Ahab sold out for a a very evil woman that painted her face, Jezebel. And Esau sold out. And there's there's other ones that, that you can think of where people sold out. And then he says here, uh, Judas made the worst bargain of them all. He sold out for a handful of coins, the market price of a female slave, 30 pieces of silver, not even gold coins. That became, these, these coins came, became so hot in his hands that he flung them all away, never spending a bit of it. That was what he received in cash for the glory, for, for the Lord of glory, a bag, a bag full of cursed coins that rolled and rattled at last across the marble mosaic of the temple court to be picked up and spent by the priest who were worse than he was. They had no conscience at all. It is astonishing for what paltry a price people will sell their hope of heaven. Listen carefully. It's pitiful to think of what people will sell out to for their hope of heaven or sell a crown of priceless worth in the world to come. Notice the difference there. Either you're like Esau, who is totally lost, Many of us don't come to a knowledge of the Lord because we, we, we're just lost to the world and we never, ever make the decision. But then those are those who are like Isaac, who understood and believed, you're in, you're in, but yet you fall away and you end up loving venison, a, a meal, over the more spiritual things of life. And as most people would say, they're backslidden. But are you, you're losing crowns. You're losing your rewards in heaven. So we have, to be, uh, we have to remember that there's those who were never in, and they could look good, they could go to church all the time, but never understand the true gospel message, and they're religious. There's many people who are professors, and they're religious, and they do... Uh, they do a lot of the right things trying to earn their way to heaven. Then there are those who don't care at all. They're lost, lost, lost. It don't matter. They're all lost. But then there are those who truly believe at one point in their life, and then they go on from there, and they never get a message about living a holy life and the importance of it. They don't, they don't stay in the Word they, they, they don't want to listen to preaching and teaching and all that, and they, they just backslide, and they fall away and fall away, and the world consumes them up. Now, the way I believe Scripture, that person can never go to hell if they truly believe. Now, I will go to that person and say, I doubt you're saved. That's what I would do. It don't matter if I'm wrong. doesn't matter. I would rather 
be on the safe side and say, I don't think you're saved, you need to get things right with God and try to get them to understand salvation, even though they may have been saved 20 years ago and they're going to go to heaven. But I can't figure that out on my own. All I can go by is what I see, and that's what everybody out there that's looking to us to be good examples for our Heavenly Father, that's the way they judge us. And that is why we need to live a holy life. And I hope you enjoyed this story, and it's a warning. It's a warning. God, God warns us in His Word. He loves us so much that He says, don't do this. And look to Jacob. Did, did Jacob have it all figured out? Jacob, he had to trick his brother into selling the birthright. If, if he would have just listened to the word of God that told his mom years before, you've already got it, buddy. You don't have to go through all this. Trying to make it happen when it's already happened. And a lot of us do that. A lot of us, we get... We, we get security of being with God forever, and then we spend a life trying to make that a reality when we need to say, you know what, it is a reality. And then do the things God called you to do. I hope that makes sense. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Father, I thank you for all these people that are gathered here today. Father, we are all brothers and sisters in Christ, and Father, we want to honor you we want to set our lives apart. Father, we don't want to be known as worldly people who make decisions based on worldly things, but Father, that we are looking for the world to come. Father, that afterlife, the things that uh, are way more important, Father, eternity with you is a very long time compared to our short life here on this earth. Father, I pray that through the way we live our lives that we will be able to impact somebody else's life. Father, that we would see the importance of living a holy life for the sake of our children, for the sake of our friends, for those who see us. Father, we claim to be your children. Father, we claim to represent you. Father, we claim to be your church. Father, I just pray each and every one of us take that very seriously and that we live a life that honors you. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.